Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. We're about to open up the books. On my hit movie, King Bee's Roost, right here, Raw Fusion. Welcome to the King Bee's Raw Fusion Podcast. It's been a long time, uh, I should have left you. Without a strong show to flip to Now think of how many weak shows you slept through uh, Time's up, I'm about to bless you with another season Another reason to cut on the TV and start the cheesing To get up on the phone and go call your friends And let them know the King B's Raw Fusion begins to sit on back And enjoy yourself, I'll be your company baby If you need a little help, I took off for a while To revise the plan, got my focus on So I can check out the scam and open up my team Eliminate the fake And went and got me a beat from Bobby Drake And now I'm back And it's better than you ever saw But enough talk Let's get raw A typical night at the clubs Let's get raw You don't want to fall in love Let's get raw They got the fusion in your blood Let's get raw And to my ladies and my thugs Let's get raw And to the haters on the scene Let's get raw Don't be mad cause we got green Let's get raw You should be trying to make the team Let's get raw Cause we taking everything Let's get Raw Fusion. Yo, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? King B right here, and welcome to another episode of Raw Fusion. Before we get started, I want to send a shout out to everybody in China. I don't know what's going on out there, but you guys are really representing. I appreciate it. And keep listening. We got some more good shit for you coming up very, very soon. Now, today we're going to do something different. Even though it's my show, although we're still working on Mental the Movie, the movie about mental health. We decided to release my older films. I've got five of them. And the first release on streaming platforms is Roost, which is my top-selling movie, and my mafia film, my gangster movie. So I decided to get the opinions of uh, different people on what they think about the movie. And I was a guest on a podcast called The Nut Gallery. So... Jason Schulte from thenutgallery.com had a really cool time. We were talking about different films, and what they do is they talk about games, films, sports, some of everything over there. And they're also on YouTube, so you can check them out on YouTube as well. But go to thenutgallery.com and check out all of their different podcasts. And uh, so he's a guest today on my show, and he's going to tell me what he really thought about Roost, my film. Now, this is not a setup. We have not discussed it. As far as I know, he could have hated the film. Uh, so, um, 
or he might have liked it. I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't want to ask him because I didn't want it to be a setup. I wanted to be very honest and and you know how we do it raw fusion, keep it real. What's up, my brother? Hey, King B. Glad to be here. Hey, man, I appreciated you you uh, inviting me on your show. And, of course, we we're going to have you on my show. So I appreciate you being here, bro. Yeah, it was, it's good. And I was glad to take the opportunity to take a look at your, your movie and and um, think about it and think about Uh-oh. what I wanted to talk about on your show. And, and actually, I think I had questions more than I had uh, anything. You know, the, the one thing that kind of struck me is when you make these independent films, there's so many challenges because you have to be the writer, the director, the cameraman, the sound guy, the makeup artist, the wardrobe guy, uh, the person who finds the yeah. locations, all of that just yeah. falls on you. And and then that's before you even get into yeah. a editing mode, which, you know, takes up a lot of time and to put, to put yeah. all those pieces together, you have to find talent to be in your film. You have to guide them along as well. And, and as you're starring in it. So a lot of props to, to you in, in creating this film, knowing how many roles you had to fill to make it happen. Thank you. It's it's a lot of work, and, and it shows your passion, your desire to make a good film comes out. Thank you. So so is that a good start? And no, that wasn't a setup. I, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but. No, it wasn't. We haven't discussed this at all, like, you know, for real. And I did that on purpose. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, in the indie world, a lot of people don't understand that uh, there's a lot of shit that goes on in there. Oh, yeah. By the way, they don't curse on there. They're more PG, <laughs> but on here, Raw Fusion, we curse like hell. So, uh <laughs> There's a lot of shit that goes into doing these films. And just a sidebar, that's the reason why we're raising money for mental is because we're going to have to hire people because I was diagnosed with a a heart condition. And so what I used to do, I'm not going to be doing any more as in terms of all of those things that you said. It's interesting that you said that because when you get around to the credits of doing the movie, it's like. Bro, how many times am I going to put my fucking name on this thing? <laughs> I know. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, I'm not going to put my name on every single thing. So I be, I look for people, you know, well, I'm just going to say you did this. You you held the camera one day, so you're the camera operator. You're this. But I'm if I'm not in front of the camera, I'm usually behind the camera 99.9% of the time. I'm doing the casting. I'm doing all of those things that you said. And yeah, man, it's a lot to do. So this time around with mental, we have to hire professionals to do those jobs because I have a more limited role behind the scenes. I don't even think I'm going to be on camera. Uh, I'd rather let somebody else do that as well. So yeah, man, it's a lot of shit, bro. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So I thought that was a good lead in to, um, can we talk a little bit about the soundtrack? Okay. Did you have to create that too? Or did you have some help with creating, creating the the soundtrack that went along with the film? I think I did somewhere around 50 to 60% of the music that's in that film. And then I had a couple of guys, one of my friends, he's a music producer and I've known him since I started back in 2000, maybe a little bit before that, on TV, on cable access. That's where we actually met. His name is Kev D, and he provided some music for it. And then Tech, who is, he's actually in one of my films, but not that one. He provided some music as well. So all three of us did music, but I did most of it. Well, I thought it flowed really well with the film. 
I mean, we, we remember movies based on their soundtrack, right? You, you remember Star Wars because mm. of its soundtrack. You remember Indiana Jones, you know, those types of films because of the soundtrack that went along. Um, they've even created mm-hmm. um, like Wonder Woman. She has a sound and you know when that sound hits yeah, she that she's going to be there. Um, Batman, all yeah. of those. So soundtracks are just so important and I really appreciated how it flowed into the film. And, and again, you, you know, when there's a train whistle, that wasn't a record, that train whistle didn't happen while you were filming. You had to add that in. Uh, at least I'm assuming. No, actually that, I know some of those were yeah. real. Oh, cool. Yeah, like in the beginning, like when it's, when the train actually stops, that's not a, that's not a um, sound effect. That particular okay. one, that was an actual train. <laughs> we just recorded the audio uh, from the train actually stopping, so that was all that was real, you know. Well, that's that makes it even better. Um, yeah, I try to be as real as possible as possible. You know, of course there there are sound effects and things in that nature, but if I can get it on a day, I try to get it on a day because it does feel a little bit more real. You know what I mean? Well, I can see this is going to be real good. We're going to be back with more right here after these messages. This is Raw Fusion. Behind many smiles lie a troubling truth. So many people are suffering alone simply because they are too afraid of the stigma associated with mental illness. The road to mental health has no color. It has no age or gender. It's time we take the bull by the horns. It's time we remove the stigma and embrace acceptance to release people from their private prisons and give them the help that they need. It could be your relative, your friend, your loved one. It could be you and you don't even know it. It's time to help those in need, but help starts with you. With an acclaimed broadcast television and independent filmmaker at the helm, we are creating a documentary. This documentary will identify the signs Explore the possibilities, help remove the stigma, and clear the path to mental health. By donating, you will help us help others. From $1 to $1,000, no donation is too small. Let's band together to fight this secret enemy that affects us all. Please donate today. You can donate now at GoFundMe.com slash MentalTheMovie. Fusion. We're back. This is Raw Fusion. All right, Jason, what else you got? To get into a little bit into the story, you're you're the hitman, kind of the badass of the film. And uh, I mean, that way to write yourself into a great role, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's an but, interesting story about the whole whole thing. Let me tell you what it is. Previously to that, I've done Intimate Friends, which is a love story. The Penis Dialogues, which is sort of a comedy. Uh, a little bit of a male take uh, from the vagina monologues. So I wasn't even in the gangster vein. And Fox TV, Fox, Fox, you know, the network, they were doing like an American Idol for directors. The submission process was a five-minute film. And someone told me about it. I said, yeah, okay, I'll look into it. And somebody else independently said, you know, you need to, I'm like, okay. A couple of people have told talked to me about this, so maybe I should do something, look into it. I looked into it. Five minute process, a five minute film, right? 
So now I got to think about how to tell a story in five minutes. And that is a daunting task. I don't know if anybody's ever tried it. It seems simple, but sometimes telling a, 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 a complete story that makes sense in five minutes is harder than telling it in three hours. So I'm like, I need something that's going to catch people's eye, that's going to get them involved and you know, be interesting in five minutes. So what about a hitman that gets hit by his own organization? Wouldn't that be cool? And then that old saying, the chickens come home to roost, that's the reason why it's called roost, because the hitman's chickens are coming home to roost. So we go out and shoot this thing in the first four and a half, because I actually cut it down, I shaved off about 30 seconds of it, was actually that process. And that was it. <laughs> that was the whole movie. So when I was doing like premieres and viewings of uh, like Intimate Friends and the Penis Dialogues, where the trailers would be in the beginning of the film, I would just you know show the five minute piece because hell, I did it, you know what I mean? And so it was never supposed to be more than five minutes. But so many people would come up and say, you know, that love shit is cool, man. But when's the gangster movie coming out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, I may have gotten that a hundred or more times. That's to give the people what they want. Yep. So I went back and um, found a way to put another 55 minutes onto the damn thing. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's the story. So I, my character... I, that that wasn't intentional. I mean, it was intentional for the five minutes, but it wasn't intentional to go that whole thing. But you know, that's what I do. Yeah, you played a good gangster Thank or you. A, or assassin, I guess. Whatever you want to <laughs> hitman, assassin, murderer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I had to do some uh, research for that too. That was pretty interesting. And then you you put together um, what I think pretty decent cast. It was a really decent cast. Um, Thank you. I liked. I liked. You know, all the characters, they did a really good job and really kept the, the movie interesting and flowing and enjoyable. So, I Thank mean, you. hats off. I mean, that's that's part you, part director, and part them just stepping up and filling these roles for you. So mm -hmm. We were fortunate. Uh, you know, a lot of these people came from different places. And some of these people, especially at the time, were doing big things. And so I was very fortunate to be able to get him to be a part of my project. Uh, Damn Fool, who who plays uh, 40 Cal, he was on the Bad Boys of Comedy, some national uh, TV shows. He's a comedian. And for some reason, even the crackhead, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I literally, you know, and it's, it's, it's crazy because you have to do this thing on faith a lot of the times. And I hadn't cast a crackhead. It really was kind of a, they ad-libbed for the most part that part because I knew I wanted a crackhead to come up before Ron um, comes up and tells him, you know, you know, leave Sandy alone or we'll kill you. And I didn't have a crackhead even to that day. And it just so happened that Brandon goes by the name of Hot Sauce. He happened to come with Damn Fool to the set. And he's a comedian. Uh, out of uh, St. Louis. And now he's been on national TV shows and things of that nature as well. And I said, hey, man, you want to play a crackhead? Yep, that's why I came. I just <laughs> want to be in a <the> movie. 
You know, it's just weird how all of these people came uh, to be Tony Shag. They were on a big radio station together, and then they they split. And Tone Capone is now on WGCI, one of our biggest radio stations here in Chicago. So there's just so many people that came from so many different places, man. And it's just, you know, they believed in what I was doing. And so I'm appreciative. I'm actually humbled that they would even, you know, say my words on film. Yeah, it's, that's that's rewarding. And it's also must be pretty rewarding to see them move on and, and rise in their own stardom as well. Yeah. In their, in their different areas. And, you know, so this was all shot on location in Chicago, correct? Mm-hmm. We didn't have the money for a soundstage. <laughs> <laughs> we, we weren't building any sets, man. We, we just got here where we can get in, but yeah. I'll, um, if I win that 600 million Powerball, I'll, uh, I'll build you a soundstage, okay? There you go. I appreciate it. I'm going to hold that to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had quite a few locations. You had a car wash. You had a bar. You had mm-hmm. a couple different buildings as well, yeah. and some houses. And so you mm-hmm. had to move the crew around a little bit to catch your, capture all those locations. So that's that's another yeah. step of work you have to do to to make yeah. your vision come to reality. And convince these people to let us shoot in there for free. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the thing. You know, people don't realize if we had a budget. You know, I would have been able to do you know a lot of other things, but it just so happened that we actually had some mansions, and it came through. One of the mansions came through Ferguson. He played Vic, the guy with the dreads, and he was managing that mansion, the Swift Mansion, which is kind of historic in Chicago. So we had free run of the place because he was in the movie, and I didn't even know that when I casted him. He was another, he was another uh, comedian. And was talented, so and then he says, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I kind of, well, his girl at the time and him were running that mansion. So, wow, now we have a, you know, we, now we have a mansion. So, yeah, all of that, all of that's, was just weird, man. How all of it came together. Do you have, uh, do you have any funny stories of the process? Just like things that are like either so bizarre you wouldn't believe it's true, or just uh, you can't believe this actually happened." During the filming? What comes to mind is Toya, who played Sandy Calhoun, really wasn't supposed to be Sandy. She was supposed to be, and, and trying not to give out away too much of it, at the record store. Again, the record store, I got I guess definitely gotta shout them out. Music tracks. They were in another location and they were one of the first sponsors of my TV show, Raw Fusion, when it was on cable access. And so, of course, I wanted to, you know, they had moved to Evergreen Plaza, a big mall in Chicago, and I wanted to shout them out anyway. So we actually shot at their record store there. Now, the young lady that comes into the record store and, uh, you know, gets to reacquaint herself with 40 Cal, damn fool's character, um, that wasn't, the person, the person that's in the movie wasn't who he shot at first there. That was Toya. That was her character. And some of it was from the reshoot that we did uh, with, the, with the new young lady. And some of it from, was from the old shoot. And we meshed it together so it, it, you, you would know. But some of that was from Toya playing that character. And I was having an issue with whoever. And I swear to 
I do not remember who was in the role of Toya at that point. But I we were taking a break and we were sitting in the um in the lobby area or the common area of the uh of the mall and I'm talking to Toya and I said, you know what? And she was such a good actress. I said, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm going to give this young lady a shot to actually come through and do what she's supposed to do, but I'm having issues with the lead. Would you be interested in doing the lead? And she said, of course, hell yeah. You know what I mean? That's who I really would like to play. And uh, I said, okay, we're going to go back. We're going to finish shooting this, but there's a good chance that I might switch your role. And I ended up switching her role. And like I said, I can't even remember who was who the person was, but I know she was giving me, she was pissing me off. So uh, <laughs> let's just put it like that. So we actually finished shooting and I shot it in a way that uh, I could still use some shots from it. And uh, and then we just came in and got the, basically the two shots and, and put those in there uh, when we did the reshoot. And of course, music tracks didn't have a problem. They were really good supporters. They were one of the outlets that when we were on DVD, uh, my movies were always housed in their record store. And so they didn't have a problem with coming back and reshooting uh, a couple of scenes. Yeah, That's that's cool. And, and fortunate for you, she was around so that you could you could uh, use her talents. It's- yeah, she was really committed. She was act- she's actually in the sequel. So Toya is really committed and she's gone on to do some other things. And uh, if you go on our IMDb page, uh, you can see some of the other movies that she's done. She's really talented, uh, really good actress. And, uh, you know, I was just fortunate to find a lot of people that were good. And then I'm the type of director that if I really believe in you and you do a good job, then, you know, you get first dibs at a new movie that I'm doing, you know. And the crazy part is I had the recordings and if you were to see her in the first role that she was in, it's complete night and day from her as Sandy. And, you know, that's a testament to a a really great actor when they can switch up a role or switch roles and play both of them convincingly. She was sweet and kind of innocent in the in the first role. And then when she got to Sandy, she completely flipped. And she's the raving terrorist. (laughs) (laughs) And then she was in the film, and she's a really good person. So we're going to take another break, and we'll be back with more of what went on behind the scenes of King Bee's Roost, streaming now for free on Tubi right after this. Growing up in the hood can be hard. Nah, it's supposed to us. But you know what? He was telling the truth when he said he fucked the shit out of me. You're faced with many choices. I can set up a meeting. Done. So you might as well go ahead and get to cooking. Then when you finally get the money, a motherfucker walk up and try to take your shit. Now you got to go to war. Do you stay and help? But if I wasn't out of town, I'd have fucked dude up, man. What, you heard something? You know, if I'd have heard something, I'd have told you. Or do you get out? you can. I can make a decision on whether I want to be in the game for real or not. Which one would you choose? Earn all that motherfucking screaming, man. Just tell me what the fuck I want to know. King B's Hate Love, starring an ensemble cast. King B, The Bad Girls Club's Tiffany Torrance Davis. VH1's Jay Marie. Showtime at the Apollo's Damon Williams. Bruce's Brian the Wildcat Smith. Do or Dies, Below Zero. 
Later with Leon's Leon Rogers and many more. Oh, it's gonna be some shit, huh? Yeah. Be some shit. Watch King B's Hate Love streaming now for free on Tubi. Outside of the U.S., then watch King B's Hate Love for free on Plex. Raw Fusion. We're back. It's King B's Raw Fusion. We're opening up the books on some of the things that happened with uh, King B's Roost, my movie that's streaming for free right now on Tubi. And if you're outside of the U.S., it's streaming for free on Plex. So there have been people who have gotten roles because they were or at least offered roles. The Southside mob boss, Cutfoot Calhoun, he's not really an actor. He's my cousin. <laughs> and he he really talks like that. He really has a country accent. He came up, he said my lines that I wrote so country that I couldn't even come up with that type of shit if I tried to do it. <laughs> so I just gave it to him in my language and he said it in his country way and that's how authentic of a country person and he's from Chicago but he grew up in the south so he has that that whole accent thing and, and way of speaking for example there's a montage where a guy gets murdered in front of his son it lasts what 15 seconds on film but what we did because I wanted it to be authentic I didn't want to just or and I, I didn't want to be limited either I wrote out the whole scene and we shot the entire scene, and then I would just pick out the parts in order to put it in the montage. But I knew it was gonna be a montage anyway. But I wrote a line, come over here and sit beside your Uncle Calhoun. And he gets on set, and he said, come here and sit beside your Uncle Calhoun. And I sit side? Like, I, I wouldn't even thought of no sit side. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, that's what he did. So, but the reason for bringing him up is, he got offered roles after this. You know, people were calling me up. Hey, man, you know, da, 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 where's this guy? You know, I want to get him in. I'm like, he's not an actor, dude. It's not what he does. You know what I mean? And and I told him about it, but he really wasn't interested. He just did it as a favor for me. Well, actually, he was one of the people that was pushing me to make it a real movie. And I'm like, okay, well, if I do this shit, then you got to play the mob boss. Because I had an idea. What I wanted to do, I said, "Well, you you gonna have to be in it if you are gonna force me to do this damn movie. <laughs> you got to be in it." <laughs> he said, "Okay, all right." So that's how that works. So a lot of people have gotten roles. Ron got other roles because of it. But if you act an ass on my set, it's my responsibility to let other filmmakers know because they're spending money. They have responsibilities and time. And if you act an ass on my set, it's my responsibility to let my friends know that if you want to go and choose her, that's fine. Let me tell you what happened on my set. Now, we'll do that and name names in private. And you decide as a filmmaker if you want to deal with that. And nine times out of ten or more, they don't want to deal with that because they have a lot of other things going on. And, you know, they're spending money. And you don't want a problem on the set, especially a problem with no fucking name. The game is simple in film. And this is all film. Your worth is dictated in how many asses you put in seats or at least your performance worth or whatever it is. So when you have a Denzel Washington, nine movies out of 10, he's going to make $100 million. He's going to put asses in the seats just because Denzel is a part of it. So he deserves $20 million. That doesn't mean he's a better actor 
than, you know, the day player. He probably is, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily a better actor than the day player that gets paid, you know, $200 a day. It just means that by putting his name on the, on, on the marquee, he's going to sell X amount of tickets. So if you don't have a name, a lot of that extra shit that you do as an actor trying to be Hollywood and shit means nothing because you're not putting asses in seats. Yeah, maybe you and your mama going to come, but that's not enough to justify dealing with a lot of bullshit on the set. So, so yeah, man, that's what I look for. I, uh, you know, I, 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 there's a scene in the movie that's called Hate Love, which is loosely, and I stress loosely, based on my life, where my character is going around talking to people, trying to find someone for a role in the soap opera that he's doing. And he says, tell me about yourself. And that's important. You know, I want to know who are you as a person. It's all to find out is not only do you have the talent, but do you have the fit, personal fit to be amongst the cast members that I've that I've assembled? You know, because they know what to expect. They expect to have fun, you know, outside of action and cut, laughing, joking. But yet we're still getting the job done and having a light set like that actually helps because I've been on sets where I wasn't the director, where I was just acting, and they're cussing people out. And this is Hollywood now. This is not independent. People getting cussed out. People are all tense up and shit. And how are you supposed to really give your best performance under those kind of conditions? And one one of the things I I said when I became a director is I'm not going to run my sets like that. I want it to be fun. I agree with you completely on that. And And I think it even... I spent most of my life coaching sports and mm-hmm. um, I've never believed in being that guy that sits and just yells at kids because they're doing their best. They're not out there purposely not doing their best. Well, there are a few, but the bulk of yeah. them are out there doing their best and me yelling at them. I don't feel mm-hmm. I ever got any more out of them. I just made mm-hmm. them afraid to be yelled at. So I've always mm-hmm. coached that, you know, I'll pull you along the side and I'll, it, talk to you about what was going right or wrong or, um, you know, both. You, sh- you got to say what went right as well as what went wrong and, and then send them back out there. And, and I always found that I could get more out of a player that way than by just standing there yelling. So I'm with you. What did you coach? I've spent most of my life coaching soccer, some baseball. Well, you can do that in soccer. <laughs> yeah. You know, now listen, this 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 goes back. In high school, I played um football. And we used to make fun of the soccer kids. Yeah. Cuz we you know, it's football. Yeah, I mean, so we were like, you running around kicking the ball, boop. You know what I mean? So <laughs> So and and here's the thing, when I was younger, before high school, I played soccer. So soccer and soccer is the most popular sport in the world, but in in America, it's probably football. Which is interesting because they call soccer football everywhere else but in America. <laughs> so we we used to give soccer kids some shit. So that's the reason why I, I, I did that little nudge. That's okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it, that's that's universal in the United States. I mean, soccer players <laughs> do tend to get picked on. But soccer players are, are very talented too. Uh, I have to give, you know, I got older and you know I got out of that. So a little bit. <laughs> There's still some residue there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's, you know, the, the community I grew up in and the community next door, 
were arch rivals. Well, now mm. I work in that other community. Uh, so I spend half of my life there and half the life in the community I grew up in. And uh, in one aspect of my life, there's still that arch rival feeling. And then the other part, it's like, nah, you know, I got to really cooperate <laughs> with co- that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta let that away, go, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's still some residue there. It's just a yeah. little bit in there. That's interesting. I would have, I would have liked your coaching style. Probably, I don't know. I'm really good. I'm. I don't. I don't. I. I don't yell at people on the set, but I'm a little more blunt. I think that is a residue from the way I was coached. I have very little. I don't want to say very little tolerance. Because I do have tolerance, but I don't do that. Well, you know that was great, but no, nope. no, nope. don't nope. you try? No, that was shit. Okay, and <laughs> you're here because I believe that you have the talent, but that performance you just gave was a bunch of shit. Now this is what we're gonna do, and actually, it was San- uh, uh, Toya who plays Sandy, who brought it up when we were doing the interview, and I almost, you know, it, it's different. It's like when I played football. And I was a nice guy until I put that fucking helmet on. And it literally, when I put the helmet on, there was a transformation. And I was probably the meanest motherfucker on the field. Seriously. I am there to take you out. And then after the game, you know, I go back to being a nice guy again. And I kind of had that same thing when it comes to being on the set. Yeah, I'm laughing and joking, but at the same time, I'm in the back of my mind. I'm trying to figure out the shot, the lighting, the the where the sound, where the mic is going, you know, all that kind of shit. So I get really serious. So what's interesting is I almost well, I'm dark skinned. I'm not I'm not really going to blush, but I felt like I was going to blush when she started talking about. Uh, there's one scene in there where I, you know, she says kill him, and she just said it regularly, like kill him, and I took it to the side and I said, okay, that was shit. Uh, and she said, I love that because you really don't get the real from directors because they're t- too busy, you know, oh, well, you know, that was great, but uh, let's try it this way. No, that was shit, dude. And you're better than that. So, you know, and I came, she came back and she did what's in the film, you know, after we talked for a little bit. So I, I find that actors will feel more comfortable with you if you just keep it real, don't embarrass them, but also keep it real, you know, so that they know when I say, okay, let's move on for a reason. We've got it. It's not, I'm moving on because I'm sick of your shit It's because we're going to keep doing this until we get it right. And then, or at least right enough for me to cut, you know, one of the interesting things is let's say you have three lines to say, and, and I've done this with actors. And I'm not going to say who they are, but you, let's say you have three lines. In the first take, you get the first line right. In the second take, you get the second line right. And in the third take, you get the third line right. Okay, I can move on now. I'm not going to keep doing this shit until we get all three in one take. I know that I'm going to do the editing. And so I'm going to take the first line from the first take, the second line from the second take, and the third line from the third take. And that's going to be the performance. Whereas technically, you fucked up two lines in every take, I'm going to make a better performance out of where it goes. So a lot of times does fall on the director to create the performance in editing. So if you see a great actor, there's one movie that I saw where Morgan Freeman looked like shit. I have never seen a movie 
where Morgan Freeman has given a bad performance except for this one. And I I just knew instantly it was the director and the editor that fucked up. Because sometimes, and even on my sets, we'll, I get what I need and then I give the actor a take. And let them try some shit if they want to. And sometimes you get some good shit from that. But also you can get some bad shit from that. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because they're trying mm-hmm. something new, something different, and it might not work for the film. And if you don't know as a director what doesn't work for the film and what does, you'll come out with this one performance that I've seen from Morgan Freeman that was shit. But the whole movie was shit. So that's the director fucking up and that's the editor fucking up. If they're the same person, then you know, you just fucked up, bro. You know? So going back to it, you know, sports, it's important. My 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 coaches they were the yelling kind. You know, we had uh, we had a basketball coach. He coached a little bit of football, but mostly basketball. And he used to yell and scream. I'm talking about during the game. And <laughs> he had this one line. He said, you do that shit again, and it's going to take an act of Congress to get you off this bench. <laughs> <laughs> and just imagine being a kid going through that shit, man. It's like, you know, he's... He says this shit in the middle of the game, and you know high school uh, basketball. Everybody can hear that shit, so that you know everybody's laughing and everything. And and he's just, you know, oh, you just went from sugar to shit. Like he had these lines that he would actually say all the time, <laughs> and it got to the point where it was almost funny. And he knew what he was doing. He was kind of cussing you. He was taking the laugh, but he was also cussing you out, telling you, and he meant what he said. So. But he knew it was it was funny, so he'd go ahead and say those lines, and we kind of laughed it off, which I, which kind of eased the brunt of it, I guess, a little bit. And he would he didn't mind us laughing at him, but we knew we were fucking up, you know what I'm saying? And so, and then I had another coach, and he was a tough son. He was a football coach. He was our defensive coordinator, and he was a tough motherfucker. But you knew that he cared about you. But he still, he still will cuss you out in a minute, you know. You know, I remember he told me, because, you know, I had a high opinion of myself in football. And he told me, oh, you all world, huh? Okay. Well, not the way you played last week. That's some bullshit. I'm like, God damn. You know, but at the same time, we were getting ready for a game, and he pulls me to the side. And he says, okay, I'm going to tell you this. They're looking at you to go all conference. I had no idea I would go all conference. For all the confidence I had, I didn't think about shit like that. They said, don't fuck it up. And I went out there and had one of my best games. So even though they yelled and screamed, you kind of knew who really was rooting for you. And then I had another coach that hated my guts and I hated him. You know, because I knew he didn't give a shit about me. So sometimes it's not just the yelling. Although I like your approach, if you make sure that people know that you care about them and care about their success, they'll let you cuss them out and, and won't have a, a bad thing to say about it. I, I don't have my defensive coordinator, Coach Dennis, I hold in high regard and he cussed everybody out, including me. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like he actually cared about me and my success. So it just depends. It's different styles. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think there's any one style that's perfect. It's just uh, that was my style, and and uh, I would have liked that style, though. I think I don't know. I guess it was more of an instruct. 
you know, a, more of a teaching approach than, yeah. than uh, a fear approach. But it, you know, and I've seen both work and both fail and, you just got to be able to read the situation and yeah definitely there's more than one way to skin a cat and we got to skin these <laughs> these messages and we'll be right back with more king bees raw fusion right after this i am alone as i stand to my feet my heart pumps not once but twice within the same beat ah this happened like a variety of partners I'm not about to go to some funky club to get on some funky dance floor to dance with some funky man. I never used to think about it. Now all I do is give me one good reason why I didn't enjoy each other sexually. The coronavirus? I don't think so. It, it doesn't feel right. Eric, I know what you do with these women. That has nothing to do with it. That has everything to do with this. have been drawn. The question is, in the end, should I or should I not get intimate with my close friend? I'm going to shave you. I already had a shave. Not where I'm going to shave. Oh, no. Watch King B's Intimate Friends streaming now for free on Tubi. Outside of the U.S., then watch King B's Intimate Friends for free on Plex. What's up everybody, it's King B, and I want to tell you about my website, kingbworldwide.com. That's king, the letter B, worldwide.com. There you can find all sorts of stuff, including links to my book, the movies, and even the podcast there as well. It's kingbworldwide.com. See you there. Raw Fusion. We're back, it's King B's Raw Fusion right here. Jason from the Nut Gallery. Is here, and we're talking about uh, King Bee's Roost, which is streaming now for free on Tubi. What's up, brother? Well, we've diverged a long ways away from your movie. No, nah, man. I mean, this is the type of conversation, well, a little different. Um, but this is a conversation that you have on your podcast. So I wanted to let people understand kind of. And it's weird because you were asking me the questions instead of me asking you. Um, but, you know, I want people to get a, you know, kind of an understanding What's your podcast? Uh, the Nut Gallery. TheNutGallery.com. Definitely got to go check them out. Uh, it was a really fun time. It's quite interesting when I go on shows that don't curse, though, because, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious of, you know, what the fuck I say. You know, here I just say whatever the fuck I feel. <laughs> and there's there's value in that. Um, I have a 11-year-old son who sometimes makes appearances on our podcast, so it just was easier to to let to just be prepared to not, I guess. Yeah, and it's good because it it reminds me of doing radio, and so it's good to go back to that because I can get really relaxed here, and then when I have to go on radio and do an interview, I have to remember, oh shit, yeah, I can't cut. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, it, it's, I've been doing this for a long time. So uh, I can get right back into that mode uh, easily. You know what I'm saying? I still chuckle because when um, you were on our show and I made some comment and you said, yeah, I'm a professional. I still chuckle at that statement. <laughs> uh, I am so, a professional, man. I've, yeah, been doing this shit, <laughs> I've been doing this shit since 2000, man. You know what I'm saying? And there was only one, one radio station that allowed you to cuss. 
And so I went on that radio station. I said, fuck, 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 fuck. And I was happy as hell just because I don't have to, you know, curb your words. But, uh, and also, me being on PBS. Hello. You know, that's, <laughs> you know, and it's probably shocking the shit out of people when they hear this podcast because if they're associating this with what PBS does, um, it's far different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although PBS is kind of, mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of different. You know what I'm saying? They're kind of, you just have, it's really not PBS, I don't believe. It's just it's the FCC. So, but they're kind of lenient in their thinking, but you still have to deal with the FCC. We did some really interesting things. I think I was the first person that played Tupac on PBS. <laughs> nice. And now they're doing the shit all the time. Like, you know, it's crazy. But yeah, man, uh, definitely go ahead on and check out uh, thenutgallery.com and check out their podcast. It's a really cool time. And if you're into gaming, which I'm not, so in those 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 portions of it, you won't hear me say anything because I don't know what the <laughs> fuck I'm talking about. Uh, but the movie portion, um, they review movies, gaming, they give commentary on it, but they also they also give like news and what's happening, what's n- the new shit coming out and you know, stuff like that. And we got into a little bit of sports as well. So uh, check them out, nutgallery.com. Hey, Jason, I what? appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Thank you, too, for, for uh, having me on. It was great, and I enjoyed your movie. Um, so I look forward to Mental the Project. Um, I am also very passionate about that subject matter. So I'm mm. really, really excited to see what you what you generate there and the more we can bring awareness, the better this world can be. It's important, man. It's important. Yeah. You know, I went through um, my own little bout with depression, and and there's a way out of it. You know what I mean? And and we need to help people. And I appreciate you guys' donation. And of course, if you like to donate to the project, because like I said, we are building the budget for it. You can go to GoFundMe.com slash Mental the Movie and uh, give a donation there. All right, brother, I appreciate you, man. You bet. We'll see you soon. It's time to talk some shit with King B on the King B's Raw Fusion Podcast. Brought to you by King B's Hate Love, now streaming for free on Tubi. The process of making films can be a long, arduous task, but if you have a vision and you are blessed enough to get other people to go along with your vision and come together to make something happen, make it work, then it's a beautiful thing. These principles can be applied to many different things and and even dipping off into sports or academics or science or tech, whatever it is, it starts with a vision and getting other people to buy into your vision and building a team. Or should I say, as my good friend April Prayer, defense attorney in Chicago would say, build a squad, right, that can help you bring your vision to life. That's what we're doing here, trying to give you some tips and some things that can help inspire and possibly enrich your life as you help to enrich others. I'm King B, and this is Raw Fusion. Raw Fusion. Fusion. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.